You always remember a time where, when coffee shops were sort of starting out, and it was like, what do you want? It's like, I just want a coffee. Like, do you want a skinny decaf latte extra shot? And it's like, what? Remember that time? A few people? Well, like now, it's like you go somewhere else and you try the different communion cups, and it's like, oh, that was that brand. Yeah, that was good. We've actually people like sending photos through different communion things. We're becoming communion connoisseurs uh, as we try the different little cups around the table at the moment. One of my greatest desires in life, and we all have sort of things that we, we like, but then there's things that are just deeper on our hearts. One of my greatest desires in life is to see my kids grow up faith-filled. One of my greatest desires in life is to see my children grow up faith-filled, knowing who God is, knowing how He sees them, not so much how they see Him, but understanding what it is to know how God sees them. Knowing what that then means for their life. And that they could live by faith in that God every single day. If you have questions about faith or what faith looks like, then today's message is for you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today as we dive into Scripture that we would see what faith looks like in action. That that would inspire us to be faith-filled to live by faith each and every day, but also to pass that faith on to our children and to the people that we love the most. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today is a one-off in that it's, it is a part of a series, but we're going to say today's message, then we're going to stop because next week is Vision Sunday. But we're going to revisit the, the What Faith message. We're going to revisit it as a series, but over the next few years, we want to have some what faith messages, because the idea of what faith is that we are inspired by people in Scripture. We're going to hear from some members of our church family about moments in their life where they showed extraordinary faith, and we can be inspired by that. When our mission partners come back from overseas, we're appropriate, because we've got to be sensitive to, to where they're ministering in. But at times we'll hear messages from them about incredible faith and what they saw take place overseas. Actually, one of the things that, that inspired this series was a story from one of our mission partners that we heard, I think, January of last year, who shared a story about going to a small town in a small village, quite remote. And in that space, somebody said, I desperately want a Bible. And the they said that they had a Bible in their backpack. They had a few to give out, but they thought, well, no, that's our strength. Let's pray and see what God does. So in that moment, they prayed for a Bible, and in the river next to them, a Bible floated down, a wet, soggy Bible, and they pulled it out and they dried it and they gave it to this person. I go, I want that faith. Yes, I can do things in my own strength, but I rob both myself and others from the opportunity for God to do the miraculous. And so in this series, both today, but as we look at it throughout, hopefully we can get three years out of this series, just because that way we don't have to keep paying for graphics. 
<laughs> but we're going to keep revisiting this series. And it is one of those moments, if something happens in the life of the church, we're not going to stick to the plan that we've made ourselves. We can drop everything and do a what faith message and share what's happening in the life of the church. And so today is one of those moments. <clears throat> A number of years ago, this is before uh, Yvette and I went to Sydney to minister up there, I was, I was at York Street and they had a speaker come in. Is by the names of, name of Charles Craft or Chuck Craft. Does anybody remember that? Oh, one person, two, three, yes! I thought I dreamt it for a second because no one remembered it at the nine o'clock service and I'm like, yep, um, there's crickets. Wow, okay, because I did buy his book so I know it wasn't a dream. But it was long enough ago that I bought the entire VHS set. So that's for those that don't know what I'm talking about. It, it was sort of in between CDs and DVDs. It was sort of this, it was a bigger version. It was about that size, actually. Put it into a video player. But um, Charles Craft came and was speaking. This is, I give you authority, that's the book. that um, I almost made it. I actually found the, the tag where I got up to in it. Almost halfway. That's pretty good for me. I got halfway through his book, but I was studying some of his teaching and what it had to do with scripture. And, and Charles Craft was known for um, talking about the supernatural and praying for people that may have been influenced by evil spirits and, and had other things happen in their life. And, and as a country boy, this is brand new territory for me. No idea. So ignorant. I would actually stay clear of it because it was scary. And anybody that dealt with that, if I'm honest, was weird. Because they acted weird and they spoke weird and it wasn't normal. Charles Craft was normal. And he spoke normal. And he acted normal. And he dealt normal. He would talk just plainly. And I watched some stuff on his, his videos. I was like, wow, that's just, he's just a normal guy. And what I loved about him is he taught the way that Jesus spoke and he acted the way that Jesus acted. I got, well, I can do that. I can't do with this other stuff, but I can do that. And I remember there was an opportunity that I had to go and pray with somebody who had some voices in their head. And I'm like, this could be this thing. This could be this. Okay. I need to pray about it. I need to, to look into it. I need to research this. And I did, and I prayed, and I prepared myself, and I'm getting ready for it. And, and we had to travel about an hour to, to see this person. And Yvette and I were in the car, and we're, we're driving to, to, to this unknown scenario, not knowing what was going to take place. And I've prayed for the house. I've prayed for my family. I've prayed for myself. I've prayed for the person. Like, I am good. And we're driving there, and all of a sudden, my car started coughing and spluttering, like <laughs> losing power. I'm like, what? It's almost like if I got bad petrol. And, and immediately, my mind goes, I reckon a vet must have filled this up with bad fuel. Like, I don't, no, no responsibility on myself. I'm passing the boat. I'm like, did you get fuel? Said, no, you did. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, it can't be that then, because no way, I would put bad fuel in the car. <laughs> and then, if it goes, have you prayed? Do you know those moments that you just go, oh, I don't want to show that she's right, but I know that she is? And, and oh, it's like, you, you are, your face is. Like, you know, you're like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to admit defeat, but it's like, no, I didn't pray for the car. I prayed for everything else. Like, and, so, and, and I say this 
partly because she is always right. Let me get this. I'm saying she is always right. Now it's on camera forever. <laughs> um, but to go, like, my heart wasn't in the right spot. And, and so I prayed not out loud. I prayed to myself because of my pride and ego. And the prayer was really simple uh, based on what I'd sort of been learning. I claimed authority and I bound up the stuff that wasn't God. And so my prayer went along the lines of, God, if, if what you want me to do now, where I'm going is of you, then would you bless this trip? Would you fill me with your words? But if there is something that's not of you, if this car is being affected by something that, that's not of your plan, then I bind it in Jesus' name. With the authority that you claim in Scripture, I claim now as your follower out of obedience, would you bind this up so that we may do what you, I believe you're calling us to do? In Jesus' name, amen. And when I got to the N of amen, the car just went, and every hair on my entire body even the one on my chest stood up. Like everything just stood up on end. And I was like, oh. Now, the punchline of the story is we got there and we prayed for the person and that was, that was special. But the thing that stood out in the whole story was the car. That our God isn't just God of the, the spiritual, but he is God of the physical and even of the car. And, and there's been times that I've prayed for, for people that are sick and people that are dying and all sorts of stuff that hasn't been answered. But in that moment, out of obedience, with limited faith, because I was upset that my wife was right and I was wrong, I prayed a prayer and God showed up and we were able to do what we were meant to do. Today I want us to understand that our faith, it doesn't matter where we're at, we can always take a step forwards. That God is faithful and God wants us to put our faith in him and not in our own ability. Before we dive into the scripture passage today, I just want to unpack something. You see, in Roman times, there was the, the Roman guards and there was a hierarchy within that. You may have heard of legion, a legion, which is 6,000. And the, the head of a legion was a legionnaire. Legionnaires would oversee the legions, but within the, the legions would be a centuri. And a century, a century, like the century, is a hundred centuri. But the lead, leader of the centuri was a centurion. And so the leader of a hundred. So there's 60 centurions overseeing the hundred centurii each underneath the legion that oversaw the 6,000. Everyone follow that? I think I lost myself in there a little bit. But you get the idea. So when we talk about a centurion, they fall under authority. They have people under them, but they also have the centurion's peers. So there's authority in play. They understood what it was to give orders and receive and, and work together and, and do carry out their own tasks. If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, we're reading from Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 8. In verse, starting in verse 5, it says this, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and asked for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Firstly, we see the centurion is... A Roman centurion, not a Jew. This is the oppressive force that have taken over the Jewish land. So we've got 
in a Jew's mind, the enemy has come in, come in, who's under authority, who gives authority, who works within authority, has come to Jesus and said, Lord. So a Roman has gone to a Jew and said, I submit to your authority. I submit to your lordship. You are over me. Which brings us to the the first question, is Jesus your Lord? Now, the idea of of Lord is is this person's putting his trust, his faith in Jesus. So where do we put our faith? Do we put our faith in our own ability? There's a Bible in the backpack? Or do I pray for it? Do we put it in, you know, I must must put bad fuel in the car? Where, Where do we put our faith? Do we put our faith in our family, our finances? What is Lord over your life? Has anyone been abseiling? Yeah, a few people. You don't have to do it now, but yeah, like, like, because <laughs> sometimes it's going, oh yeah, never again. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of heights, and I remember uh, the first time abseiling, they, they put on this sort of, it's like a giant nappy really, but like, like this harness thing that you sort of put on and strap on, and then you, you have this thing called a carabiner, and they, they tie a rope to you, and you hold a rope around here, and when you hold it around here, you don't move. I don't know how it works. It's like all magic or something. But you do that and it doesn't move. But when you put it here, you go. And the, the more you move your hand with the rope, the more quicker <laughs> that way you go. But for a start, you're standing on the edge of a cliff and you've got to turn around and you've got to lean backwards. And they go, just keep your legs straight. And you go, okay. Are your legs straight? Yeah. Look down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they bent. How'd they do that? Okay. Because you don't want to lean back. That's the down bit. That's where you die. That's bad. And so little by little, you start to lean in and put tension on the rope. And see, oh, <laughs> and then you start bending your knees because you want to get closer to the ground and you want to control it. Until the point where you're fully legs up, leaning off the edge of the cliff with this rope. All of your faith, all of your hope for survival is in there. You have a choice. You can grab the cliff and stay there like that if you wanted to, but if you want to abseil, you do that. And as your faith increases, I remember the first time doing it, I got to the bottom, and I think my my knuckles were almost bleeding because I was hanging on so tight because I was doing it in my own strength, and and all of my legs were cramping because they were so tense. You do it a few more times, and you put more faith in it, and you get your confidence in putting faith in it, and by the end, I was trying to, to run and jump and spin, that really hurts because I can't do that. Um, and the rock's still hard, even when you've got the rope. So don't do that. Cause you, yeah, you got it. No, I don't. <laughs> Bang. Are you putting your faith in the thing that holds us up, which is Jesus? Are we putting our faith in something else? Let's look back at the centurion in Matthew chapter 8. We're continuing in verse 8 where it says, The centurion replied, Lord... I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell one to go and he goes. And that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. You see, the centurion knew the power of Jesus. He understood the authority and showed both the respect of his authority, 
but also his position. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. How do you treat Jesus? How do we treat Jesus? Do we treat Jesus like, well, well, Tim said he prayed for a car and it works, therefore I can pray for, for money and I get it. Jesus, I prayed, where's my money? Like, how, are we, we treating him like a vending machine? I pray, you give? Or, or how, how does your attitude towards the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe? I know, I know I've got to do a check from time to time because sometimes my expectations, my, my language toward him isn't what it should be. How do we treat Jesus? The centurion knew who Jesus was. Therefore, his understanding of himself compared to him is like, I don't deserve to, for you to come under my roof. I know how bad I am. I am so sorry. No, I know your power. I respect it. You just say the word and I know it will happen. But please, I am not worthy. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And what does Jesus do when he's amazed? He turns to those that are with him. And he said to those that follow him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Israel, the people of God, the called nation, the, the ones that, that from Jesus' line, the line of David, the one that, that Abraham fathered, all of Israel, no one has faith of this centurion, the, the enemy. Imagine what it would be like to have Jesus, the Son of God, say, I am amazed with your faith. I am amazed with the way that you have acted towards me. I am amazed with how much you trust me. And I love that Jesus just trained people as he goes. He's not going to miss an opportunity. The leader in me just goes, yes. Verse 11, he goes on. I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and take their place at the festival of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's going to pull that apart a little bit. You see, Jesus came for all the world. However, what we read in the Old Testament is the history of the Jewish nation. There's other things happening in the world, of course, but what we read is the history of the Jewish nation and how Jesus came first for the Jews and then the Gentiles doesn't mean that God's not for everybody in the Old Testament. We see Ruth, we see, we see different uh, Rahab, sorry, in the Old Testament. We see moments where there's a guy called Uriah, the Hittite, the Hittites, which was supposed to be cast out or told to leave. But when the Hittites bowed to Yahweh, bowed to God, they became, and we see this Hittite with incredible godly character, living incredible integrity in the story of David with Bathsheba. And the Hittite is more godly than David, the king, in the scenario, we see God is to come from everyone from the east and west. If they put faith in Jesus, if they put their faith where it belongs, then they will inherit the kingdom of God and be able to feast at the, the banquet that is heaven. But the, those from the kingdom, speaking to the Jews, that have lost their way, they're, they're getting caught up with all sorts of stuff, the legalistic way of how you do it. 
It's almost as if they're getting so caught up with you know, the Sabbath, for example, where, where Jesus, you know, God said on the seventh day he rested. Ten commandments, the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath holy. Keep the Sabbath, keep the Sunday, keep that day set apart, a day to represent that all days are God. So on this day, set a day apart. What are the people from the kingdom of heaven, the Jews, doing? Well, they see Jesus and he's picking food in the crop or healing people. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do it because they've added so many rules. They're so paranoid about breaking a rule. They've had rules on rules on rules on rules on rules. And they were so fixated on the rule that they forgot the heart that each day we have is God's and we need to rest in him. And Jesus corrects it. So he says that all the world, it doesn't matter if you're born into power, if you're born into to poverty, if you're male or female, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter what stage of life in, what age you are. The gospel, the good news is that you are invited to spend eternity with God. That's the beauty of the gospel. Yet we sometimes see that the rules can distract us from the beauty and purity of what Jesus told us to do. Which it begs the question, does Jesus have all of your heart? Sometimes we get caught going through the motions. And we've got to remember that Jesus just wants our heart. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believe it would. And his servant was healed in that moment. I want to challenge us today about how is your faith? How does your faith look this, this day or this week? You know, what, what, does, what does faith look like to you? And what do you believe faith looks like? And then based on a story where Jesus is amazed, what does faith look like to Jesus? Because sometimes if we, our idea of faith doesn't look like Jesus, then there's a misalignment. And maybe we're not living by faith. Maybe there needs to be an adjustment within our, our value system of what faith looks like. If I was to, to ask you, what, what did, how did your faith express itself over the past week? Friday week ago, when the snap lockdown was called, how was your faith? What did that look like? I, I may, you know, there's moments where we were praying, but you know, there's moments where I threw faith out the window. I was just like, ah, what are we going to do? And we, we took stuff back on ourselves and we, and we worked. And we did heaps of work to get Sunday ready and everything. And then last Saturday night, there's another change in the, the rules. And what do we do? We had to live by faith. 9.30, I think, the conversation finished Saturday, last Saturday night. And we're going, hey, we've, we've got everyone speaking on three questions because we don't really have time to write a message now. Um, I'll play guitar and Ange can sing, so I'll play guitar and Ange can sing. Um, you know, <laughs> this is what we got. God, look at our hearts. We're allowed five people in the room. Here's the five people. We're all multitasking. We're all doing multiple things. This is what we got. It's unpolished. We haven't had time to, to talk about what we're going to do. This is what we got. We had to live by faith. Uh, I don't know if you caught last Sunday online or not, but what, what you saw was every member of the panel 
answered with the same heart. We saw the songs that were chosen at 9.30 the night before align with the unanswered questions that we just said, and God showed up because we lived by faith. That's really uncomfortable, and I don't want to do it again because I like to be planned and organized. However, we are called to live by faith, and when we do, God shows up in mighty ways. And when we live by faith, others can see it. Imagine the example of that centurion with those around him. Can others see your faith in the way that you lived? In the way that you lived. There was a song that we used to sing back when I was doing youth camps. It's like, I, um, I walk by faith, each step by faith. I won't do all the actions. Yeah, to live by faith and you jump back. I put my trust in you. And it's all actions and stuff. And if you're a little bit uncoordinated like I am, you get the jumping and the walking the wrong way and the whole camp that's going this way has one person jumping that way and it all goes wrong and it's pretty fun to watch. But <laughs> a simple song like that, which is meant to be a fun thing in a camp with actions, actually becomes so true. What would it look like if we walked by faith, each and every step by faith? We may not know where the destination is that God is calling us, but if we take a step in faith, God, I'm trusting you. God, I'm trusting you. Oh, this way. Sure, God, I'm trusting you. Oh, you want me this way? Because, okay, yep, I'm trusting you. Each step by faith, to live by faith and put our trust in God. What would it look like, and, and like the, the rope when we're abseiling, what would it look like for us to be standing on the edge of life and going, God, I know that I can hang on. I know that I'm safe here. I can stand on this edge and I know this is solid. I know if, if I wanted to climb down, I probably could if I hung on well enough. It's a bit shaky, but, but I, I can control that in my own abilities. But what would it look like if we said, God, I'm going to lean into you. And the more I lean in, the dangerous it gets, the more less control I have. But I'm going to lean and trust the rope that's holding me to the point where your entire life is hanging off that cliff by the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. What would it look like to live by faith, knowing that if we let go of our faith, we would fall? Imagine what that would look like. The... Centurion amazed Jesus is a passage in the Old Testament where one of the, the great prophets was raising up his, his successor, Elijah and Elisha. And, and Elisha asked Elijah, uh, Elijah asked Elisha, what can I give you? Ask for anything before I, I go to be with Yahweh, my creator. So I want a double portion of your spirit. This is one of the guys that, that touches the water with his robe and the water dries up and does amazing things. And so Elisha gets a double portion of Elijah's spirit and goes on to do amazing things for the name of God and sharing the message that, that God had laid on his heart. What would it look like for us to ask for a double portion of the faith of the centurion? A double fortune so that we would live in a way so, so hanging on by faith to who he is and what he means to us that each and every day we would live by faith in a way that would amaze Jesus. Imagine what we could do. Imagine what he could do in and through us if we were a people of faith like that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that this week we would live by faith in you. 
that we would lean into you bit by bit, each bit just testing if you are trustworthy, but then knowing when we lean back into you that you hold us and that you are secure and that you are true and that you are faithful. Help us to to not hang on to the things of this world and try and control things in our own abilities, but by letting go, we allow you to carry us. We allow you to move. May this week we take steps of faith to live by faith as we put our trust more and more into who you are and what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.